Welcome to the Full Potential Podcast. I am your host, Nick Wagner Sr. And every week, I interview guests that share career stories, ideas, and experiences to empower and inspire people to reach their full potential. If you enjoy the episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, including Apple Podcasts, Google, and Spotify. Thanks for listening. Uh, Matt Connell, welcome to the, the Full Potential Podcast, and I appreciate you joining us to talk about your career journey. Nick, thanks so much. I really appreciate being here and uh, you having me on. Yeah, I think we're going to have a lot of fun. Um, and, and Matt, I, do, I try to do this. I try to do it every Sunday night to, to bring on an inspirational guest like yourself to share your career journey, because I think a lot of people can benefit from hearing about other people's career journeys. I have a, a lot of early career professionals that listen to this, and a lot of them wonder what could be of their of their upcoming career. So having someone like yourself on that's done so much, I think I think is always inspirational for the, those people listening. And you've you've done a lot. So you're a professor, you, you're an entrepreneur. You you run a, you run a program at Goodwin University here in Connecticut uh, to help people that have, that are uh, that were formerly incarcerated, you know, find a job and re-enter uh, society. You've, you've done an amazing amount of things, which we're going to talk about all those things today. But I always like to start, Matt, by by asking the question: when you when when you get to meet people and people ask, you know, who is Matt Connell? How do you answer that question, and and, and what do you usually tell people? <laughs> um, I usually tell people. I mean, I am, I'm, I'm a parent. I'm a, uh, you know, I'm a father. I'm a husband. Um, I'm a professor. Um, an entrepreneur, and um, you know, I I just wake up every day and and try to get through the obstacles of life um, to the best of my ability. And hope that I don't impede too many others in in my journey. <laughs> well, I'm, well, I'm moving down the path, and and if I can help somebody along the way, um, I try to. Yeah, no, I love that, and 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 I ask that question because I, I have guests on. They usually do so many different things, so I always like to kind of get a sense of you know how you introduce yourself. Um, so let, let's talk about this because you've had a really <clears throat> unique journey, and and like anyone, Matt, no, no, I very rarely interview people that that say. I want to be this when I grow up, like as a little kid, they, they go to school for it, they become that and they retire. It just, it just yeah. doesn't happen very often. Uh, most people, your career kind of goes in different ways. It zigs and zags, there's ups and there's downs, et cetera. So, but I, well, let's, let's go back to when you were a little kid, when you were a little Matt, any idea, <laughs> any idea what you wanted to do when you were a little kid? Like, did you have a dream of what you wanted to be when you grew up? None, honestly, like I didn't even start to think about it until high school. Um, you know, I'm sure when I was little, I had, I had all those fantasies about being an astronaut or being, you know, being, being whatever. I remember one of my friends wanted to be a lollipop salesman so he could just eat all the lollipops. I thought that was a good idea, you know? Um, but I, I did not, that. I did not pursue that. Um, so I really had no idea until about high school when, when, to be honest, I was, I got into a ton of trouble in high schools early on. Um, I got lucky enough to be in a, in a program with um, two amazing educators um, that probably saved my life in a lot of ways. And, and at that point, I, I decided some part of my life needed to be focused on education, um, on, on my own education, as well as um, helping others that struggled through education as well. So, and, and it's interesting because a lot of times when you, when you hear that someone wants to be an educator or is an educator, it's because someone in their life was an educator. So did you have any family members or educators or was it really these, these two individuals that helped you that, that kind of gave you that passion? 
Yeah, I mean, I've you know, I my my grandmother on my dad's side was was a teacher for for years. I've got cousins that were, but really it was, uh, you know, um, Jim Solomon and Jerry Cogan from from Hall High School in West Hartford, the Ask program, which was a program for kids that were in the bottom ten percent of the class, um, but that had the potential to be in the top five to ten percent of the class, and. Um, you know, I don't know what it was about them. I've always tried to pin it down, but they they um, instilled and inspired kids to to be the best version of themselves. Yeah, and and, and look, it, you know, I uh, I have so much respect for educators. My wife is an educator. It is not easy. Uh, it is one of the most difficult jobs that you can sign up for. But I think there and and you're you're probably included, Matt. They're some of the most passionate people I've ever met for helping others. So, uh, I, lo I love how you give them credit for, for changing your life. So, so, so let's talk about this. You were, you did, sounds like you did not do well in high school. You got yourself in trouble. Was, was, was the, the, the plan for Matt Connell post high school to go to college? Was it just to graduate high school? Like what, what was your plan <laughs> at that point to figure out what you wanted to do next? Yeah. So, so, by freshman year, I was doing so poorly that the question would was whether I would drop out, get kicked out, or honestly end up incarcerated, um, which which was looking like a definite possibility. I ended up through this program and whatnot. I actually ended up graduating high school a semester early, um, and and at that point, um, you know, at seventeen years old, I I was lucky enough. I moved to Israel for six months, lived on a communal farm, a kibbutz, um, and. You know, there was really no plan for college up until probably beginning of senior year where I started to contemplate it. Um, but besides that, I, you know, it wasn't really in, in, it didn't look like it was in my cards. Yeah. Uh, so you ended up graduating early that because of this program. It, it, it's, it's interesting how the right educators can motivate kids in the right way and having the right program can actually help someone to, to go from what you said, the bottom five or 10% to actually graduating early. So that, that's quite the turnaround. How did you end up in Israel for six months <laughs> after high school? Like how, how did that happen? Yeah. I mean, to be, to be quite honest and, and somewhat quick about it. I, I told my parents I was graduating early. Um, when it happened, I put a, put forth a bunch of different ideas that I would do for that six months. Um, one was, you know, fall the grateful dead around the country um, one was, you know, scale, scale every 14,000 foot plus summit in, uh, West of the Rockies or, you know, what, and, and so they kind of talked me off some of those ledges and, um, just, you know, by his circumstance and happenstance, I, I was able to end up in Israel, very affordable and, and get this amazing experience. So, and, and for you, so you had, you said you ended up on a farm and you ended up going to school for agriculture. So was, was there a, I'm assuming there's a connection there. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, so like I ended up on the farm, I fell in love with kind of farming. I moved back from, from, uh, from that. I, I did a fret my freshman year at Keene state in, in New Hampshire, moved back to Israel, my sophomore year, um, did my sophomore year abroad in Israel. Then I came back and I ended up at, um, Evergreen state college out in Olympia, Washington. That's got an amazing sustainable agriculture program. And at the time my thought was, um, I wanted to start a farm school, to be honest with you. My, my goal was to start, um, you know, a K-12 school that, that created and focused curriculum around the concepts of agriculture. Oh, wow. That, that, that's interesting. Okay. And now 
anyway, so, so a couple questions. <laughs> just, I have a couple questions on this. Uh, you ended up, I think, a really unique. I think studying abroad not once but twice at a very young age. I think is a really unique experience for students because it gives you this view of the world that, that most I think people don't have at that age. Uh, how was it? Was it? Was it? Was it difficult transitioning to the culture of Israel? either the first time or the second time, like tell us a little bit about what that was like, because I think a lot of people dream of doing that, uh, Matt, but it actually never happens for a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, so just, you know, it, it wasn't super hard to be honest with you. Um, most, most people speak English. You know, the hardest part was when I was 17, I landed in Tel Aviv at the time there was no, um, consolidated bus station. The buses were literally spread out among city streets you know, not speaking Hebrew at all, trying to figure out the bus I needed to get on to get to get to the to get to the farm, getting on the on the bus, right? Here I am 17, not really thinking about things, getting on the bus. And like, you know, half of the passengers are soldiers with Uzis or or M16 strapped to them. And you're like just kind of sitting there like, whoa, I, I'm I'm not in uh, you know, I'm I'm not in uh Kansas anymore, right? <laughs> like, you know, like Dorothy has left the building. And so um, that was, that was definitely a shock, but then, you know, once you assimilate, it was cool. Yeah, no, that, that's interesting. And, and so, so you end up graduating from, from, from undergrad and, and, you know, just full transparency, Matt is a lifelong learner. He has an undergrad, a master's degree and a PhD. So, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get there, but uh, so, two, two so, masters, just, to, just, oh, to, sorry, just to... <laughs> sorry, sorry. So he has four degrees. Uh, so, so what happened? You, you, did, I don't think you ended up starting the school, from my understanding, uh, the, the agricultural school. What you, you graduated? What happened next? Right. So, what was? Because I think for a lot of people, that's a very pivotal point in your life. You graduate from school, uh, and and like I, like I, I mentioned to you, I have a, a book. But my book's coming out next month: Ten Secrets to Success After Graduation. Most students graduate and they're, they're used to all this structure like they go to this school and you know they have structure they go to college they have structure you have a syllabus you have to take these classes then you graduate and there's no more structure so what yeah. was what what did you do so i mean so it's interesting because i i actually didn't follow a normal route like my undergrad took me a total of five and a half years academically again it i it was about three and a half years that i got it done in but i i ended up at between keen um beersheba ben gurion in israel I did a semester at Central and then Evergreen. So I did four schools for my undergrad. Um, Evergreen is non-traditional. Um, so you don't get a syllabus per se. It's it's oh, you do a you do an evaluation of the instructor, you create your own courses. Um, and and I took a year off when I moved out to Olympia. I took a took a year off to get residency um so I could afford to go to school. And during that year, I started a landscape business. Um and and I sold that landscape business to to one of my employees so that I could afford to go back to school. Um, so when I graduated, to be honest, I, at that point I had started, um, a wholesale distribution company while I was in school that was selling like industrial hemp products, body care, food products. And I had some good sales going on up and down the West coast to some co-ops and stuff. I came back East, um, after, after graduation, didn't think I would, I came back East and I, tried to kind of take that on online at the time. Um, so this was like 99, right? Oh, wow. um, and it just kind of, it kind of tanked um, once I came back East. And and from there, this new kind of trajectory started to some degree. Interesting. Uh, so you've been an entrepreneur really for quite a long time. 
my whole life yeah yeah because we're and we're going to talk about we we will get into your your current venture yellow brick but i didn't i don't think i realized how far back your entrepreneurial roots go which is you know all the way back to to college which is great uh, and I, I and i have so much respect being an entrepreneur myself of how much it takes to actually start your own business so you so come you come back um to the east coast you ended up you ended up going back to school in 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 uh in 2001 to get a master's of education but did you actually get a job before you went back to school like what was how did you how did what was your employment looking like yeah i mean so on, i started off when i got back i was i was uh waiting tables um you know uh cooking, cooking on the line at Chili um, and Bertucci's. Um, I worked at um, Hark in Hartford for, for a couple of years as a job coach. Um, and, uh, you know, like in some of the um, houses and, and stuff like that. And then I, then I went back to school to get my master's in special ed. And about halfway through that program, because it was special ed, I was able to get, um, what's the certificate, like the, the ASAP or DSAP certification where, where if you're, how enough of your way through, um, and you know, getting your, um, teaching cert and it's a needed area, you can start teaching. So I started teaching at that point, um, at Buckley high school in Hartford, um, as a special ed teacher. Yeah. And, and that's, um, so for, for, and I, I want you to share just a little bit about for, for a lot of my guests who might not know, like what, how is being a special ed teacher different from being your typical educator in a K through 12 school, right? So what, what types of kids are you working with and helping as a special education teacher? Yeah. So, I mean, I had a, I had a, you know, at, at Buckley, you have a pretty large caseload. The majority of my students, um, they were, they had IEPs or 504s based around social emotional disabilities. So anger management problems, um, in, in, stuff like that. Right. So I was dealing with a lot of kids that, you know, my kids were going in and out of juvie, um, multiple expense, um, suspensions, possible expulsions, um, and stuff like that. I wasn't, I worked with, but, but my caseload wasn't, um, specific to, um, students with, with, you know, severe kind of disabilities as far as intellectual disabilities or physical handicaps, um, yeah. if you will. That, that, and and I, I wanted to, I wanted to bring that up because I know I think the work that you did, uh, you know, as as a special education teacher obviously helped fuel your passion to to running the program you run at Goodwin today because I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of tie-ins and I think what you mentioned I think a lot of people might not realize Matt that special education teachers work with students that have anger management issues or end up in or end up in in, in um, incarcerated or end up suspended right so I think it's really interesting that you shared that so I appreciate that and again thank you for the work you do because uh, you've probably changed a lot of kids lives over the years so I think that's fantastic thanks so you, you so you're working um, as a special education teacher and then it, why it, or why or at what point did you decide you know what I think I need to get my PhD too like why, <laughs> how, how, do, how does that exactly happen? Yeah, you know, I don't know. I think, I think to be honest, part of my my uh, doctoral work, my um, was was just to prove to myself, maybe to my my parents, that I could do it. Um, right? I, I don't, you know, I never wanted to be like a school administrator, so I wasn't going for like the 098 or or 092, whatever that cert is, um, which I so respect uh, administrators in public education, but I never wanted to go there. Um, but I did think like if I was going to start a school, my at some point right? In the back of my mind, there was that, like, 
if I was ever going to start a school, like who's going to send their kid to a school if, if the person starting it doesn't have the education to back it. Um, so there was part of that was like, it's, it's, it's a door opener, right? People, people, whether you do or don't, because of the credentials, people think you know something. <laughs> no, no I, I think you bring up a good point. I mean, I think anyone that has a, a PhD or a doctorate, whatever however you want to call it, um, I think everyone I everyone I know that has one, I have an, an amazing amount of respect because I know what it takes to actually make that happen. Right? You know how much schooling, how much schooling that takes, the 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 sacrifices you make, the you know whatever your your uh, your dissertation is or your capstone project, whatever they call it at that school, and how how intense that is. So, uh, so so it sounds like you still had at that point in your mind that you wanted to have your own school. So kind of going back to your idea of having an agri agricultural school, you still have this idea of you wanted to have your own school at some point. Totally, without a doubt. And, and you know, potentially I still do. We'll see, we'll see. Still got some years ahead of me, hopefully. No, <laughs> and, 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 and while while you don't have your own school now, I think the, you know, when we'll, we'll, I, we'll talk about what you're doing at Goodwin in a little bit, but how was it, working full-time and getting a doctorate at the same time? I mean, it, it was hard. It, it's, it's obviously a challenge. And, and at the time, um, I had just had my first son, my son, um, you know, so he was, he was young. I'm trying to think if my daughter was, no, she was born during my, during my MBA. Um, so my, my son, you know, was born and, and was, was, you know, a baby during the bulk of, of that process. Um, and my wife, you know, she was, she was busting her butt working full time, um, in a family business as well. So, so it was hard. I'm not going to say it wasn't, yeah, but I think, <laughs> I, but I think you, you prove, uh, Matt, that, because I think a lot of people, and look, I'm one of them. I, I have my undergrad from UConn in, in management information systems. I never went back to get my master's. I think a lot of us think, well, how on earth are we going to work full time and have a family and go to school? And and you've proven that that is possible, right? And it, 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 you know, it's all about how you prioritize things. So I think uh, you're an inspiration as far as getting getting additional degrees. And I think obviously you probably have a passion for learning, which I'm sure helps because you are excited to do this. And for you, it's probably not a chore, if I had to guess. Yeah, just to, to some degree, yes, that's that's correct. It's it's obviously there's there's chore like aspects to it. Um, for me, I do have a passion for learning. I also have a passion. Look, I, I grew up, you know, in kindergarten or first grade was diagnosed with dyslexia um, and, and have to some degree, I mean, um, been trying to prove to myself my entire life that I'm, I'm, I'm not that kid anymore. So, so these, these degrees kind of help that, right? <laughs> yeah, I, no, I mean, I mean, you know, I, being competitive with yourself is, is one way people are very competitive and it sounds like you, you've been doing that. So, so tell, tell me about, I have a couple questions. I want to know, how did you end up, like, was, was your plan when you got the PhD to end up at a university like Goodwin where you are today? Or what, or, or was it really like, I'm going to get this doctorate, I'm going to start my own school. Like, how did you go from, because you got your doctorate in 2009, you got your MBA a little bit after that. How did you go from there and ending up, ending up at the college? <clears throat> So, so real quick journey was no, so, so no, it was not planned. Like it's, I, I always thought at some point I'd like to be involved in higher ed, maybe an adjunct here or there, whatnot, never, never necessarily full-time. Um, in, in 2007, I, I left public education and I, I came and started helping my, my wife's family business kind of operate. Um, 
And then through, through a bunch of different roads, about 2015, those businesses after 30 years kind of closed down. And I went into, um, you know, private consulting and, and, um, it was just kind of happenstance to be honest with you that, um, like around 2017, my, one of my former doctoral professors, uh, Cliff Thermer, who is the Dean of the business school, business and manufacturing school at Goodwin called me up and he was like, I need help like to run the business program. And you've got like all the right stuff as far as credentials, as far as experience, can you help me in, in, essentially like, I know you still have your own businesses that you're running. Like we'll support that. Just come and help me do this. And, um, and so I was like, without a doubt, it was the right time, um, in, in my family's life, like just transition wise, it, it was the perfect landing. Um, and it's been a godsend. So I want, I'm, so I want to, I have a bunch of questions because you, you have so many different things that you do, Matt. That it's hard to keep track of them all, but we'll, <laughs> we'll talk. We'll talk about Goodwin, and then we'll we'll pivot and talk about your your own business, Yellow Brick, that you started. But I want to just talk about Goodwin because the work you do there, I think, is just unbelievable, and I want to make sure everyone hears about it. So your your again, your title is Program Director, of Business Administration Program. So tell us what you do at Goodwin. Like what what does that mean? I know you do some teaching and you do some other other things, but share what you do there. Yeah, essentially, I'm responsible for oversight of, of all curriculum development within the business program. So any cert certifications we have, the associates, the bachelor's program, um, I, you know, am responsible for maintaining faculty adjuncts um, to, to teach um, and, and then, you know, accreditation and um, student you know, I advise students as well, along with my other full-time faculty that, that have advising roles. Um, and so really, you know, to be honest, my, my job is largely to try to innovate, right. Is to, is to try to, every school has got a business program. So like, like I'm constantly trying to figure out like, and our student population is different at Goodwin. So what sets us apart? What, what makes it so we're not just white bread business program? Cause that's, another white bread business program on, you know, isn't needed in my mind. Um, so I'm constantly trying to figure out how to, how to innovate and how to give our, our students um, the best education we can have that that's meaningful to them. So you, you mentioned that you are, the students at Goodwin are different from other business schools. Explain what you mean by that. How are they different? Just in general, Goodwin's population of students is is quote unquote non-traditional. So typically 28 or 29 years or older. So so most of the time working adults, people that have been in life for a while, right? Um, you know, that that they're not your 18-year-old kid kind of going off to college. These are individuals that might be working one or two jobs, might be single parents. Um but, but whatever, they also know the struggles of life and they're coming back to school to better themselves for a purpose. Um, and so, so that's, that's kind of what I mean by, by different. And so, no, I, I appreciate you just kind of sharing the demographics and why, why that's important. I love how you, you just told me that your job is to innovate because I think that's so important in education because education is constantly changing it. I mean, if we've learned anything from the past year of COVID, Here's another example of how education has changed with COVID, but I, I want to I wanted to talk specifically about about ENet right. So the Entrepreneurial Network uh, Program, which I'm reading off of your your LinkedIn profile, 
It's a business certificate program for formerly incarcerated reentry populations. So tell me about ENET, because that's how I first learned about you was an article. I, I can't remember who did it uh, on the program and on you about the great work you're doing at Goodwin with this population. So sh share with my audience what, th what this is about. Well, I, I appreciate it. And, and I will say it's, it's, I've got an amazing team of people that that work with me on on Enet that without would not be possible. So Enet um, is is a program. It's grant funded at this point um, through the. We've gotten two grants over the last two years for about half a million dollars. We just got a five thousand dollar grant from the New Alliance Foundation, and the the two bigger grants were from CT Next, um, and essentially the grants were to provide. Um, an 18 credit entrepreneurial business startup certificate. So like down and dirty marketing management. Um, we've got a property management class in there, an accounting class, um, a business law and a small business like class that goes over pitching and, and business planning. So down and dirty, like how to start and run your own business. And the first cohort was all individuals that had been justice involved. So formally incarcerated. This current cohort, um, we started with 20 individuals. 10 that were still currently incarcerated um, at Sobolski Correctional Facility up in uh, Enfield, Connecticut, and 10 that were formally justice involved. And so um, it's this, this has honestly been one of the biggest challenges of my life and also one of the most rewarding challenges, just navigating all of the moving pieces. Um, in this current cohort, seven of the 10 guys, of seven of the 10 students have come home during the program. So we're trying to support um, support them when they come home in their transition, um, whether they end up at a halfway house or they're at a family member's house, um, loaner laptops. Um, we, we, we bring groceries every week to, to class so that if, if food insecurity is an issue, it's, it's addressed. It might not be an issue. If it's not an issue, don't take the, the groceries or, or pass it along to somebody that does. Um, but just, you know, think about, um, you're trying to teach somebody who's got the skills, who's got the intellect to do it, but they've been, let's say, incarcerated for 15 years. Think about the technology difference in 15 years. So trying to teach somebody how to use a learning management system or Zoom, get on a Zoom call for class. Right, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's, been, it's been a struggle on some levels for it, that it's reason. A, it's, such a, it's such an interesting program, and, and, it, and it's, I'm sure it's um, just such a huge benefit to these individuals that get to go through it. So I... You know, again, you're helping change lives in in all these things you've done throughout your career. So that's fantastic. Uh, and what I'll do, Matt, I want to make sure I say this: we'll link to your LinkedIn profile in the show description of both you know the YouTube video and the podcast, so people can get in touch with you. And I'll also link to uh, you know Goodwin's Goodwin's site as well, so they can learn more about what you're doing at the business school there, including Enet. Uh, cool. So just awesome. Kudos to you and the team. That it's just you know you should be proud of the work you're doing. I want to pivot now because um, in, in the career of, of Matt Connell, working at Goodwin and running, helping run the business school is not enough. <clears throat> so <laughs> you're also an entrepreneur, which you actually started before you went to Goodwin, <clears throat> excuse me, called Yellow Brick. Um, so I want to hear about Yellow Brick. And again, this isn't the first business you, you've, you've started, but you've been doing this for over six years now. And I, you know, and, and I guess, you know, what is it and how do you manage that in a family <laughs> and working at Goodwin? Yeah. So, so to, to start out, what is it? So yellow brick, when, when my partner and I started, so my partner, John Christensen, he's a um, tenured professor up at UConn in the school of um, communications. He's a social psychologist. We started it to be honest, as a, as a parenting website, it was, 
It was a site where parents could come and we had experts from around the world providing different advice at different levels of the parenting stage. And we grew it. Um, and then like towards the end of 2018, we had about 300,000 users coming to, to the site a month and, and we were selling ads and, and things looked great. And my partner and I looked at each other and we're like, we're an advertising company and, and no disrespect to advertising companies. It's not what we wanted from a business model, right? We wanted to be educational. We wanted to be helpful um, in, in, we weren't doing that. And so we shut down that version of yellow brick. Um, and we took a step back and we were like, it, we started analyzing all the information and data we had. Um, and what we came out with And my, my partner, John is like an amazing researcher. Um, you know, he spent his life on research projects, helping people be the better version of themselves. And so we essentially sat back and we were like, oh my God, we have a ton of information on what makes really good culture, right? Whether it's family culture or or small team or large right, organizational yeah. culture. And so John started to, to develop these things into surveys and assessments. And literally just at the end of this last year, we started going out um, and we're now working with a bunch of consultants. We've got some really cool cultural assessment products. Um, we're very heavily focused right now on the DEI space. We're doing a lot of work with um, organizations and consultants around DEI. So um, Matt, just so, just so my audience knows that DEI stands for diversity, equity, and inclusion. Cause not, yeah. every, not everyone has the, <laughs> H, the HR speak like us. So yeah, yeah sorry uh, about so, that. So. so who are, who are your, who are the target clients of yellow brick? Like who, who are you, who are you trying to, to work with? At this point, really like any organization, small to large, um, you know, and again, we, we have amazing tools. Um, for that DEI space, but we also do stuff in, in organizational communication, um, cultural competencies, just, co you know, so, so we really can span the gamut. Um, right now, we're, a lot of our clients are business consultants that come to us because what they're finding is our tools actually help them really go in and pinpoint organizational issues. Like real quick, for example, we had a consultant the other week who was working with an org and they thought that there was huge racial bias going on. And what came out was like the organization didn't, didn't see the racial bias, but there was a lot of age and gender bias. And, and so they were able to address that with the client, you know, and, and create curriculum to help the client. So. Yeah, no, that it's fascinating. And, and, you know, I think, um, one of the my favorite parts of that story is how you pivoted because I think that's something that entrepreneurs, as you know, have to do. And it sounds like you successfully pivoted because you realized you weren't you were doing something, but it wasn't what you were passionate about doing. So I, I love how you made that change. Uh, how 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 do you juggle all this, Matt? So before before we before we get to my <laughs> last question, I always ask, how do you juggle? Because I think a lot of people right now that are listening are like, does does Matt Connell sleep? How how do you do this? So. The short answer is sometimes better than others, right? Some, sometimes I, I, I feel like I've got four balls up, four or five balls up in the air and like, I, I know where they all are and, and I'm cool. And then there's days where I wake up and whether it's, you know, whether you call it the imposter syndrome or whatnot, I, I am like confident that they're all going to drop, um, you know? And so in, in, um, I, I try really hard to like, make sure that family time is family time. Um, and when I'm, when I'm working, I'm, I'm working, 
um, but they they definitely blend together. Um, and and what I say, you know, not to be facetious or anything, is is I look at somebody like Elon Musk or Jack Dorsey, right, running multi billion dollar multiple companies at a time. To the name of your show, Nick, the full potential. We all have that potential. It's whether or not we're willing to suffer enough to to get there, right? Because because it's not easy. But life in general isn't easy. Whether whether you're whether you're doing multiple things or you're just trying to get out of bed in the morning, it's not easy. It's it's the amount that you're willing to put into it is is the amount you might get out of it. Yeah, no, that 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 that's well said. Which I think is a great transition to to my last question. I always close the podcast, Matt, with the same question for every guest. So, what is that one thing, Matt, that's helped you reach your full potential? So, the one thing that you would share with my audience that's helped you be successful throughout your career. So, so the the first thing I would say is, and and I've been thinking about this question, you know, just just because of uh, I, I had the prelude to it a little bit. Is is the first thing I would say is, so I'm nowhere near my full potential. Um, you know, I, I stumble every every day, um, and I and I think that I've still got a lot of ladder to climb. Um, but what helps me is is you know, um, my own unwillingness to to concede ever, <laughs> right? Like call it stupidity, call it call it grit, whatever you want to call it. Like my own unwillingness to like be like, man, this, this horse has kicked me way too many times. Maybe I'll stop riding it. Um, no, no, no. I'll just, I'll just get back on. Um, and, and then obviously like, you know, both the support and, in and honestly love of my family and, and stuff, but also kind of like that notion that like, you know, on some levels, my mom looks at me sometimes like that 14 year old kid that was causing her all this, all this trouble. And I just want to prove her wrong. I just want to like, apologize to her and to some degree where I am today is a direct result of me just wanting to apologize to my mom as a child, you know? So. No, I mean, you, you made multiple comments and told stories about, you know, your, your stubbornness or whatever you want to call it or your stick to but, or grit, right? I mean, I, I think clearly Matt, you, you've, you've overcome a lot in life and, and you, to your, to your, to your own credit, right? You've proven other people wrong. You've probably proven yourself wrong that you could keep going and you could keep doing it. So you you started multiple businesses. You've gotten multiple degrees, right? I mean, you've been successful in a lot of different different uh, different types of, of of work, and it's just it, I, I kudos to you. It, it's it's fantastic. So I just want to say thank you um, for for coming on and sharing your journey. I mean, we could. I always joke I'm not Joe Rogan, so I'm not going to talk for two hours. We probably could have <laughs> talked for two hours about about your your career. But I just want to say thank you for making time and, and, and just sharing how no matter what you've done in your life, it's it's helped other individuals, right? Whether you were teaching, whether you were um, running your own business, whether you're you're working at the business school at Goodwin, everything you've done has helped so many people and you should feel proud of how many how many lives you've changed. So I appreciate you coming on. Nick, thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me and uh, you saying that. So thank you very Absolutely. much. And again, we'll link to your uh, we'll link to you know your LinkedIn and, and the Yellow Bricks website as well as the Goodwin the Goodwin Business Schools website. If people want to get in touch with you to learn about you know your business, or maybe they want to go to Goodwin, or maybe they just want to meet you and and connect uh, and and use you as a mentor. We'll give people multiple ways to connect with you. So thank you, Matt. Uh, stay healthy, be well, and we'll talk soon. 
I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Full Potential Podcast. If you'd like to hear more interviews, please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform, including Apple Podcasts, Google, and Spotify. You can also connect with us on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And don't forget to check out our website, fullpotentialmovement.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing and be well.